Good morning. Welcome to the well. If you are a guest with us, my name is Al. I'm one of the pastors here. It's an honor and privilege to preach God's word. We'll be in the Bible, 1 Corinthians specifically. If you need one, go ahead and raise your hands. One of our ushers will bring you one. If you don't own one, it's our gift to you. It will also be over here on, to my left, your right on the screen. Uh, it's our first day in this new venue, uh, so we're really excited about what God is doing here. So if you're like, man, it's the first time being here, just so you know, it's everyone's first time today here. It's everyone's a first-time guest in this location. So uh, we are honored uh, to, for the opportunity to be able to do this. And so you may hear kids over there in that room. That's okay. Um, they're rejoicing to the Lord as we are. And so today, 1 Corinthians, if you haven't, if you're, if you haven't been with us as we've been journeying through the, the uh, 1 Corinthians, what we do is we go verse by verse through books of the Bible. That's where we're at. We're in chapter 7, but we're going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, in chapter 7 and 8, uh, Paul begins to talk about a subject, then get on another subject, then circle back around and get back on the subject. So we're going to try to keep the subjects uh, clear um, as, as we're, we're marching through this. So today's subject in, is singleness. And so we're going to be in chapter 7, uh, but we're going to start in the beginning of chapter 7. Then we're hop to the end of chapter 7 because he, he bookends the chapter with different comments on singleness. And so that's what we're looking at today. So today, uh, singleness. Next week is Easter. We'll, we'll, we'll worship the Lord Jesus uh, uh, with the resurrection, celebrating the resurrection. The Sunday after Easter is, is uh, divorce and remarriage. That's where we're at. So we're just going verse by verse, again, through books of the Bible. This, this, this book, 1 Corinthians, is written to a church that is, uh, they, are, they are in a progressive culture, a non-Christian culture. A lot of, they're, they're the first Christians in their, their lifetime and their generation, for sure. Uh, but one of the things we've talked about recently uh, is, is the, the, the sexual deviance of their culture. Uh, I will argue that ours is perhaps worse at this point, but nonetheless, this church found themselves in a lot of sexual sin. Uh, we've, we've talked about that last week. We've talked about it several weeks, and so there's other sermons archived if you want to go back and listen to those. And so I'm not going to unpack completely uh, what we've talked about, but the big idea for sex is a gift from God. It's been given to us by God to be stewarded and enjoyed and cultivated in the context of uh, marriage. One man, one woman, one lifetime. That's the ideal. And so there's implications to that. So we're talking about singleness today. Again, like I said, in two weeks, we'll talk about what happens when you're divorced, what happens about remarriage, what does the Bible have to say to that. Paul is addressing all of these things. And so we're going to as he does. And so this particular passage today, in singleness in general, I believe uh, the scripture, this scripture is wildly misunderstood. Um, you'll hear uh, whole single ministries built out because of this, uh, uh, this particular passage. I'm not um, saying that we're against singleness at all. What I'm saying is oftentimes this, the idea of singleness is uh, misunderstood. Uh, and so we're, what we're first going to look at is, is, is what is marriage? What does, or our, what does God say about marriage? So what does God say about marriage? Because that's going to be where we're going to start. Then we're going to talk about what is Paul saying in the context here. And so uh, the, the, why is this text that we're getting into perhaps misunderstood? Because if you, it can't be taken outside the context of what God has already said. Paul's going to make some strong, let you some strong language about saying, hey, I think it's better to be single. And so some people have wrongly thought, like, that means marriage is bad. Don't get married. If you get married, you're like B team. Like you can't, you you couldn't you couldn't hold out, so you got married and like neg, you know, that that's just how a lot of people feel sometimes. I know in some churches they they make you feel the opposite. If you're not married, then you're B team. Point today we're gonna see is that marriage and singleness are both the gift of God uh, to be enjoyed and stewarded 
in the season in which God has called you into that. And so what does God say about marriage? In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, he made man, he, and then he, he, man, what he looked at, he saw Adam, and he said, the Lord said to uh, the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. It, it's not singleness in general, um, broadly speaking, is not ideal. Are there times, are there seasons for singleness? Absolutely. We're going we're gonna to address that today. But when God created man, he created him, and he was like, man needs some help. He needs a wife. Uh, if you've ever met a single guy, and if you are a single guy, you know yourself that it's, you could use some help. And if you don't believe that, uh, just wait till you get married. You realize how much help you needed. I have a wardrobe now. Before marriage, some of you knew me. There's, that I, I wore white V-neck T-shirts and jean shorts that I cut off because I didn't want to go buy other ones. And that's all I had. The same, I just had a pack of Walmart Hanes, you know, just recycling the shirt when it got yellow. Like that was my, my dress code. First thing that happened. We got married. My wife took me for my birthday to a store. We bought clothes. I didn't know why, but we did. It was good. It was good. Hebrews 13, 4 says that let marriage be held in uh, honor among all. So there we go. God says let marriage be held in honor among all. Marriage should be honored. He says that let, mar- let the marriage bed be undefiled. That means no sleeping around before marriage. He says, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. We've talked about that last Sunday. We've talked about that several Sundays in 1 Corinthians. But the point being is marriage should be honored by all. Whether you're, and Paul, who's writing to the Corinthians, is single, and he honors marriage. Jesus was single. He honors marriage. He actually instituted it. When Adam and Eve got married for the first time, guess who did their wedding? God, he was there, he was present, it was his idea. First Timothy 4, chapter 1 through 3, or chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 says, Now the Spirit ex- expressly says that in later times some will come and some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons. Well, what, what might those demons teach? Through the sincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, they forbid marriage. Forbidding marriage is demonic. Saying marriage is bad is evil. It is. It's a lie. Marriage should be held in high honor. The marriage bed should be undefiled. That defiling the marriage bed is demonic. Holding marriage in high honor is glorifying to God. Whether you're married or not, you should see that marriage is to be honored and to not be forbidden. Paul's going to make some suggestions today to not get married. He's not forbidding marriage. There's a clear difference here, okay? And so the Bible is not just theological, so that's what God, those are some verses of what God says about marriage. But it's, it's not just theological what he says, but the Bible's really practical. What we're going to look at today is that uh, some really practical advice for thinking through, should I get married? Should I not get married? Should I stay single? When should I get married? That's what we're talking about today. And so it's going to be real practical. Um, and I need you to hear this. Singleness is an issue for everyone. Everyone. If you're not married, you're single. If you are married, you were once single. If you are a widow or you've been divorced or you find yourself in a different situa- season from being single, uh, uh, you're, you're now single again, right? So everyone will be single and everyone will be single perhaps again because you're a widow or because uh, of divorce, period. Like singleness usually bookends your life. It does. Oftentimes. And so singleness is a season for everyone. But see, singleness is often, especially in culture, used to either uh, perpetuate selfishness 
or to long, or I just, or it's like so bad. I don't want to be single. I got to get married because that we idolize marriage. We do, and we don't steward our singleness. So we're, we wait. Oftentimes, especially Christians, they can't wait to get married. And once you get married, you feel like you're, you're you know, you're varsity. And now that you're in varsity, you can like be productive in the kingdom of God. And you, and you, and you don't steward. You squander your single years. Then you find yourself single at the end of your life. Like I don't know what to do with that either because you squandered it on the front end. Marriage is not the only productive season for the Christian. All of life should be productive for the Christian. So that's what Paul's getting at and what he'll get out today. So let's go ahead and jump right on in. Um, first question. I'm going to ask two questions regarding singleness. And so uh, and then I'm going to give two statements as we conclude. Are you good at chastity? That's your first question. Are you good at it? Like, what is that? Well, that means not sleeping with anyone but your wife. Uh, not sleeping around. You're single. You're you looking at porn. You're not good at it. You're look, you, you have friends with benefits, not good, good at it. You're engaged and you're sleeping around, you're not good at it. Like that's what chastity is, withholding yourself uh, till marriage, sexually. That's what it is. And so uh, the reality is, there's a, uh, if you're going to have the, quote, gift of singleness, you must have to have the gift of chastity. That's what it is. So are you good at it? That's going to be his question. I wish you were all as myself. Paul is single and chaste, but each has his own gift from God. One of a kind and one to another. To the unmarried and to the widows, I say, it is good for them to remain single as I am. If they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better for, to marry than to burn with passion. So he's saying if you don't got the gift of chastity, if you can't, you, you know, you can't do that, uh, you're not really good at that, you're not able to do that, you, and you don't have self-control, guess what? You should marry. You should marry. His, his, his point here is holiness. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to be godly. He wants you to walk upright with Jesus. He's not saying marriage is, uh, if you get married, like, oh, man, you're just B-team because you, you, know, you couldn't hold uh, your sex drive. But what he is saying is that there is a place for that to be enjoyed. There's a, a place for that to be celebrated. There's a, there's a place for that to be cultivated. It's the context of marriage. The Corinthians, like our culture, were sexually deviant. It, it was expected that most Corinthian men in particular, uh, like our men in our day, uh, wrongly, they were, they were thought to uh, be the type of men who should have multiple sexual partners. That was the norm. That was the norm. So he's looking at a church where a bunch of people who uh, had multiple sexual partners, one dude in the church is sleeping with his, his stepmom, it, it, and they're celebrating it as if that's okay. This is the context that he's writing to them in, that sexual immorality is normal in their day and age. I need you to see this though. In our day, 70 to 90 91% of men, 70 to 91% of men, all men. So that's including the the the, the children who can't uh, even, you know, speak, open a phone or anything like that. 70 to 90% of men reported looking at porn this past month. 70 to, you think our country has the gift of chastity? They're good at that? No. So I need you to see the context that Paul's writing in. He's going to talk about some contextual things that are going on in his day and recommend singleness. In our day, we live in a different day. We're not very good at that. Uh, additionally, 18, uh, well, 18% or more of women have reported to looking at porn this past month. 95% of men and 89% of women in the United States are sexually active. Again, we don't, we don't have this. This is not the norm. It's not the norm in our culture. And so you have to ask yourself, if you're a Christian, Jesus saved you. Maybe saved you out of, you, you became an adult. Uh, you, you were an adult when you got saved. Are you good at chastity? 
Is that, are you, can, do you have self-control? Or, or you, like he says here, burning with passion. That's what he's saying. It's like, man, I just have a lot of desire and I don't know where to use this. Here's what happens. When we delay adolescence, when we delay marriage, we end up getting into the statistics where 91% of men are looking at porn every week. What happens, it affects them not only in their, in their singleness, but then they carry it on into their marriage. It, it ruins lives. It shipwrecks people's faith. And so it is good to, to be married, uh, but it is good to remain chaste and single. That's what Paul's saying. So I, I'm not saying that you don't need self-control. I'm not saying that if you don't have self-control, get married, it'll fix everything. That's not what I'm saying. There is a gift, uh, a fruit of the Holy Spirit called self-control. You all need it. We all need it. But Paul's saying here, he understands his context. He understands that everyone's been sleeping around. They just became Christians, and they're trying to figure it out. Should they have friends with benefits or get married? They're asking the question. Culture says, you know, if you, if you prolong singleness, actually, if you move in together, uh, don't get married. You can do your taxes differently. You, there's, a, there's some social benefits. Uh, you, you can do it. It, it might work for you might work for you, for example, or try it. Why don't you live together, sleep together before you get married together? Because, you know, if it doesn't work very well, uh, you know, there's always a, pl- a way out. And she doesn't have to take everything. He doesn't have to take everything. Half of everything. Like, that's the way our, our country thinks. And so we're thinking pragmatically about how to be selfish, not how to be servants. We t- we've talked about it last week, that this, the, the marriage bed is a place of, of serving one another, not for selfishness. And so I'm not saying that you don't, if it's, oh, you don't have self-control, get married tomorrow. What I'm saying is, if you don't have self-control, recognize it, repent of your sin, get some self-control from the Holy Spirit, and then make a plan. Figure out a plan. Get married. Make, some of you are not ready to get married, but you're, you're sexually immoral. You're sexually deviant. You're burning with passion. So we got to make a plan. We, you, you need some help. That's what Paul is saying. If you can't exercise self-control, they should marry. It is far better to marry than to burn with passion. That's what he's saying. If you, if you can't, if you don't have, if you're not good at chastity, and you don't want to do that the rest of your life, so you're like, I don't, I can do it for a season, but not the rest of my life. All right, guess what? Marriage is a must. That's what he's saying here. He's talking to two different people here, right? He's talking to the unmarried, those who are not yet married. He's also talking to the widow, he says, right? He's, he says the widow, uh, widow, or, in, and I want you to think, you, you, should, you should think of uh, not just a, a, a widow, a single uh, a, a female, but also a widower. Perhaps uh, uh, a wife has passed away. So someone who's lost their spouse and someone who's not yet married. Additionally, I would add in, due to our day and culture, uh, someone who is uh, uh, maybe been divorced. Think about it. If you've been married and sexually active in the context of marriage and you're a Christian and that was holy, godly, and good, and now all of a sudden you've lost your spouse, you're like, I, my desires are still there. Like, I, it's hard. It's, you're wrestling with it. Paul's saying you might need to, uh, especially for younger widows or, or, or young folks that are, that are unmarried or that uh, man, man, their marriage has ended, maybe you should consider your sexual desires and needs, and you might need to get married. If you don't have the, it, to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them to remain single unless they're burning with passion. That's what he's saying. When he says burn with passion, I need you to think, sex is like a, it's like a fire. Sex is like a fire. It's really, it, the, the purpose of a fire is to be in a fireplace, not in your living room. It'll burn the whole house down. How many of you, you can testify, because you didn't keep sex in the fireplace where it should be, it's, it's affected other people, affected your life, and, and it's hurt you and harmed others. Paul is not writing this because he wants to be stingy with sex. He wants you to enjoy it. Uh, a fire in a fireplace keeps you warm, keeps you comforted. It, it is awesome. You can roast s'mores. It's great. It's awesome. 
but a fire burning with passion all down a dried field in a burn ban is going to ruin a whole village. And so when you do need self-control, and you need to keep your fire in the fireplace, that's what you need. Uh, and so if you're someone who, who, who understands, man, I don't, singleness is not my future. I don't want to be single forever. I need help. Talk to someone in the church. Write on your Connect card. We will get with you. We will find people to get around you, walk with you, to help you make a plan to, to walk upright for the glory of God, figure out how to get married, figure out how to kick the porn habit, figure out how to walk with Jesus, have self-control until God has opened up that opportunity for you to get married. Because the first priority is holiness. Marriage does not fix anything. And so we're not saying, due to this present day that we live in, you're burning with passion, you don't have self-control, marriage is going to solve your problem. No, it's just an, it is the only outlet to, for God, uh, or the only holy outfit, out, outlet for you to enjoy this gift that God has given you. And so the next question you have to ask yourself is uh, what day and what season are you living in? What are your circumstances? What does life look like? So Paul went practically speaking. All right, can you stay chaste? Yes or no? No, marriage is a must. We got to start figuring out a plan for that. If the answer is yes, I can, and I am, and I will. Now the next question is what day and season are you living in? What are your circumstances? Additionally, if you're saying, I, 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 can't, I can't stay chaste, uh, starting today you will. And then ask this next question, what day and season are you living in? What, to, what are our times like? What are your current circumstances? He says this, verse 25, uh, chapter 7, verse 25, he says, Now concerning the betrothed, I do not know why the ESV translated it this way. This is the one time I'm looking at the scripture on why was this word translated that? The word literally means virgin. Old school translations will translate it that. That is what the word is. The Greek word, the word is not someone who's engaged to someone. The word is virgin. I think they thought that'd be offensive to people these day and age because no one could be that. And they're like, ah, no one's that. So uh, we, we got to change the word. But now concerning the virgins, those who have not had sex at all, I have no command from the Lord, but I'm going to give you my judgment. God doesn't actually speak on this, he says, uh, but. I'm going to speak to the church because of the present distress, he says. He says, but I'm going to give my judgment as one by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Meaning, if, you're, you're, if, you, if you've not been sexually active, stay that way. If you, um, you are, you need to get married, just, or you're married, stay where you're at. That's what he is saying. And so he's, you know, he's going to specifically speak to a day and season. I need you to see this. In view of the present distress, it was likely that what was going on in this day was a famine. No food, food shortages, couldn't get food, greater than we've seen in our lifetime. Like, I need you to think this is like somewhere in like the Democratic Republic of Congo or like, you know, Sudan and parts of the world where like there is no access to food and there's a war going on. Because there wasn't a war going on, but there was, there was Neronium, or King, or Emperor Nero, the, the Neronian persecution was, about to, was on the rise here in this day and context. What they're doing, Nero would take Christians and he had parties, and he'd invite them to the parties. And he, some think that's cool, but it wasn't, because he would light them on fire. 
to burn as a torch so that they could keep the lights on during his parties. That's what Christians were doing uh, during the time of Nero. Was being, they were being lampposts for uh, the non-Christians' parties. And so Paul's saying in the present distress, we don't have food. You got a food shortage that's happening, a famine that's going on, and then Nero's coming around killing Christians. And, and so the, the current persecution, the current distress he, he's saying it's good that you just stay where you're at. We're talking about hostile environment where you don't know when you're going to get your next meal. You don't know when you're going to get raided uh, by, by other hungry folks but, uh, or by uh, the, the government because you're a Christian. You're going to be persecuted. And so if you are single and you're like, hey, I want to get married and I want to have a family, I want to have five kids, I want to do this in policy, maybe not now. Not while the war is going on, not while they're, while they're taking wives and raping them, and then just so that you could suffer, and then killing you, and then, you know, taking these women and your children, your daughters, for their mistresses. Maybe not the best season for that. You're going to be the lamppost, because you, you're already alive, you're still going to be the lamppost, but you may not want to go find a family and, and go have a bunch of kids right now, because this might not be the time and season for that. This is happening, and this does happen in parts of the world. It does. I mean, there, there are, there are top, in the Republic of Congo and um, parts of uh, uh, Uganda, there, are, there have been and continue to be uh, tribe, tribes that rise up and uh, they, they do. They pillage and rape uh, men, and, or men and women and children, and they take their children, make them warriors and slaves for their, 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 their battles that are going on. This is a real thing. So you have a bunch of orphans. You have a, it's just a mess. So Paul's writing to a context that's more like that than I just can't get enough eggs. I really need you to see that. The eggs thing is an issue, but it's not this. I just, you got to see there is a difference. Maybe one day we are in, in this type of situation. Maybe we are. We aren't currently. So I need you to see we're, this is not like a prophetic word. Our, the times are getting really, really bad. You should just hold, you know, stop, stop the marriage, stop the kids because... You know, we might not have food, potentially, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that he's talking about a, uh, a specific context is this present duress. That's what's going on. So our context is a little different. Our, the, the, the sexual deviance is, is quite uh, 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 different. In 1900, I need you to do this. In 1900, at the turn of the century, in 1900, 92% of marriages that were coming together, they were virgins. 92%. I don't know when they, they, they stop translating it this way, but this, he's talking to a group of people who are uh, not sexually active, or sorry, he's talking to a, specifically people that he's desiring them not to be sexually active, uh, to, be, to be virgins until they're married, or that he's talking to, if you want to put it in our day and our age, marriageable men, marriageable women. That's who he's talking to. Those who are eligible for marriage, he has no command from the Lord, but he's going to give his judgment in view of the present distress, I wouldn't marry now, in, in our day, like I said, it is, we, or 1900, 92% of, of couples getting married were, uh, were sexually chaste. And then by 2010, guess how, what the percentage was? 5%. Just calling it what it is. I'm just saying we don't have, we are living in a different context. 5% of modern marriages, or since the 2010s, uh, are, are individuals, husband and wife, who have not been sexually active. And so he continues. That's just context here. Are you bound to a wife? Don't seek to be free. He's like, all right, just because you're, the, the, the times are getting stressful, there's no food, they're persecuting you, 
He's, he's not saying pull an Abraham and call your wife your sister. Y'all remember that when we studied Genesis? He's not saying that. Uh, that's what Abraham did. Don't do that. Just you're married. Don't seek to be free. Don't try to get a divorce. Don't try to get out. Are you free from marriage? Are you not married? Don't seek a wife. Are you free from a wife? Don't seek a wife. If you do, if you do marry, you have not sinned. If a betrothed or a virgin woman marries, she has not sinned. So he's saying, if you don't have to get married because of the present distress, don't get married. If you don't have to. But if you want to and you desire to, it's not a sin. But just so you know, you should count the costs here in this context. What is the day? What is the season you're living in? There's persecution and famine. You're going to have to provide for your wife. You have to provide for your kids. Are you going to be able to do that? He's asking you to think practically. Do not seek a wife if you don't need to. But if you want to, uh, go ahead and get married. You have not sinned. Yet to those who are married uh, will have worldly troubles. I would, wa- I would spare you of that. So based on where they're living, their time, their, a- their day, it's going to be particularly harder for a family with kids than someone who is single in, in this time that Paul is speaking of. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as they have none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, uh, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as, as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. Paul is not predicting the end of the world here. Some have thought that. That's not what he's saying. He's just saying things are getting really, 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 really bad. You got to think about your day that you live in. Is, this, is it wise for you to get married and have kids and start a family when you can't get a job because you're a Christian, when you can't own a, a land or a home because you're a Christian, when they won't even let you have food because you're a Christian, and they're killing all children because you're all Christian children and your wives? Is this the best day for you to get married? That's what he's asking them. You're like, hey, I still want to. He didn't sin. He's just saying, I need you to think practically. What day, what season are you living in? And he's not predicting the end of the world. He's just saying things are getting real bad. So what tends to happen with passages like this, Christians have done over the course of history is they look at this and they just have this pessimism about them. They want to apply this passage. We do this to singleness. Singleness is the only way. Or we want to say, it's all going, it's all going to get so bad. Why do anything? Why try? It's just so bad. Why, why evangelize? Why, you know, have nice things? Why have food? Why have celebrations? Why do any of these things? Because, you know, it's just, it's just really getting bad, and it's just going to get bad, so why try? Why build things for a legacy? Why think of a lineage? Why think of a future? It's just going to get bad. So there's this Christian doom and gloom pessimism that can happen when you take this particular passage and apply it to every day, every season, and to every Christian can't do that. We can't apply singleness to every Christian every day, every season. We can't re- apply marriage to every Christian in every season. Uh, we cannot apply this passage to every Christian in every season. The Bible is very practical, and that's what I want you to see in our text today. It is practical if you can't, you know, your, your sexual desire is high, it's practical to get married for that reason. There's a lot of other reasons, a lot of things you need to do in order to get married, but that's one of them. If you can't provide for your family, you can't, you, 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 you literally don't know if they're going to kill your wife if you get married. You might want to not get married. That's what he's talking about. Christians must not just think theologically, but practically. What day, what season are you living in? So there are times where it is good not to marry. War, persecution, famine, all this happening at once. 
you can't provide. I just, like, if, if you were to think about, I mean, just like something like the Holocaust. Like, that wasn't a good season to be getting married, having kids, starting families. It, it just may not have been the best season for particular people, right? Imagine that was for Christians. That's what he's saying. That's what's going on in their day. So it's not a sin to marry and to have, to, and to have kids, and you know, but you might have a trying time. It might be in a difficult season, and it's not a sin to have kids and have, get married in a difficult season. That's not what he says. He permits you to. It's not a sin. So it's not a sin to get married and have kids in tough times. So don't, don't hear this and going, well, if, now if it's a tough time, I can't get married. Define tough. It's, this one's a real tough time. A lot of times we now think we're really weak in our country. Like we think tough is like, not, and it's not tough. So just, just be clear about what it really is. And so you have to think about the day and time and the, pro, uh, the providential circumstances you find yourself in. And so we here live in a different day because of the number of people who are sexually active um, and the fact that sex is everywhere. You can't go to the gym. You can't go, to the, you can't go anywhere. Like it's just, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And I'm not saying this as one, uh, we're not victims. We just, you just live in a different world. I would imagine, if Paul was writing to America, that his, in the, and he doesn't see Neronian persecution, he doesn't see uh, the, the stuff that's going, famine like they're seeing, he might go, hey, it's probably good for Americans because of all the stats we just listed, they should get married. They should figure out how to get married sooner rather than later. The whole delayed adolescence thing that they're really, really, really good at, that is garbage. That's demonic. We should get that one out the door real quick, and they need to grow up these men need to get jobs. They need to stop living on their mom's couch. They need to do what God said and, uh, you know, leave your father and mother, leave them, uh, and then join and become one with a wife. Like, that's good. That's godly. That's glorifying. I think that's what he would say to us. He actually says all those things elsewhere, but I'm just put, applying it to us here in our day and age. So we've got to think, what day and age are we living in? Then also you've got to think of, 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 of where you're at financially, Maybe this is a, a good time to get married. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a good time to have kids. Maybe it's not. I need you to know if it's not a good time, it, it's, it's still not sin to get married and have kids. You need to know that. You're like, ah, oh, there will never be, if you're looking for the, op, the, op, the perfect opportunity to have kids, guess when it'll happen? Never. It's never a perfect opportunity. Never. And, 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 and so some of you may be trying and some of you have, may have had kids and it's just, there's just pain and struggle and difficulty through it all. The Lord wants to walk with you through it all. He also wants to walk with you through your singleness. But I want you to see that he is not simply saying that, uh, that it is good for everyone always to, to just never marry. And so if you are uh, delaying adolescence, you're hooking up, you're fooling around, you're, you're doing that, that is you, you're, you're just immature. Grow up. That's what he's saying. Grow up. Be holy. Be godly. And then use wisdom. Use wisdom. What day, what season are you in? Marriage, kids, blessing from God. That's where you got to start. If you don't believe that, then that's where we start today. Marriage, children, blessing from God. Doesn't mean you have to have kids yet. It's just the truth. That's what God says. So do you believe that's where we start? Then we move to, all right, what is your view of marriage? Like, what is the role? Do you have a biblical view of marriage? Do you have a biblical view of gender roles? Do you have a biblical view of kids? Do you got that? All right, if you don't, man, you need to be asking those questions in the context of Biblical community, Christian community, within groups and Bible studies in the church, cultivating a biblical review of all of those things. Get help. Take responsibility, though. The world will tell you to just delay and wait. Guess what? Nothing ever gets better if you wait. 
I'm not saying hurry up and get married. I'm saying hurry up and learn, hurry up and grow, hurry up and have uh, 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 convictions around this. See, there was a hard time for God's people in Jeremiah 29. Many of you know, chapter, verse 11, God has plans for you to prosper you. That's the only verse you know. The whole context there is that uh, they are in captivity. They are in captivity. They are enslaved by another non-Christian nation. Guess what God's command to them to do there? Create culture, get married, have babies. God is not against creating culture, getting married, and having babies in hard times. I need you to see that the, that the time of God's people in persecution, though it was, and in captivity uh, by Babylon is different than the persecution that these Christians are experiencing with Nero. It's, it's, it's different. One is just you got your rights taken away. One's you got your rights taken away. You're, you're burned at the stake, and you're also, your wife is getting raped, and your kids are getting raped. Like that's, there's, there's a difference there than, hey, you just can't worship on Sunday. And they do it anyway. That's what they did. But there's a difference there. There's a difference there. And so even though it's a difficult season, you have to, it, that doesn't mean you shouldn't marry and shouldn't have kids. We have to weigh these things in the balance of your, 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 your time, your, your season, the day in which you live, and also the convictions from the scripture. If you're just like, hey, now I have a verse that says I, I don't need to have kids because I hate kids. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what the verse says. Marriage must be held in honor by all. And so for two questions you've got to ask. Am I good at self-control and chastity? And what day and season am I in? After you've asked those questions, now let's look at understanding marriage and singleness and, and how we can steward those. He says this, I want you to know I'm free, uh, to, I want you to be free from anxieties. He's not saying that I just need, you just need to live hippie peace. He's just saying there's particular stresses that come to marriage uh, in, their, in their context. He said, the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about, excuse me, about worldly things, how to please his wife. His interests are divided. The unmarried or the betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your, benefit, your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you. So he's not, I'm not trying to restrain you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. See, his goal here with all the, everything he's saying is that I want you to be devoted to the Lord. So whether you're married or whether you're single, you got to be devoted to the Lord. That's his point. And he wants you to see that being married and being single are different. When you get married, things change. I already told you that I got a new wardrobe. I got, I got a new wardrobe. Like I, I, had, I got sheets that were washed. I got a bed that was off the ground. Like these are just real quick, just some quick benefits, real quick. I, I, really, really true. Like I, I smelled better. Like I had food that I wasn't like, you know, it wasn't to go, it wasn't out to eat. Like we had plates, not paper plates, but like real plates, silverware. Like and, and, and at the time, and you should know this, it's funny. I didn't think that was a good thing. I was like, man, why are we spending money on clothes? Really? No, not into that. Why do we need three forks? It's just two of us. We just need two. Uh, I, I can drink water out of my coffee cup. I, why, why do we need all these things? It's because I was a single man, and that's all I knew. If, you're, if you are, uh, you know, a guy like me, you understand. Uh, if you're married to a guy like me, then you understand. And ladies, you might have been the same way. That's okay. Uh, it, it's just the reality is when you get married, things change. And you spend money on things that you once didn't. 
I am now spending money on things like, you know, like comforters. Multiple, like we, and, and sheets that are like soft. And I'm like now a fan. Like, I'm like, we need better, I'll spend money here. Like, it's just different. Like, I, I now spend money on different things. And, and it doesn't mean it's better or worse for, you know, should I get married, should I not get married? I'm just saying it, things changed. Things changed. I should have got married. I needed to. Uh, but that's what he's saying. Being married, you're going to have to steward your money differently. You got to maybe buy some more clothes. You maybe you got to, uh, you, know, you know, buy some furniture. If you're going to host some people, you need a table, you need some chairs, you need multiple plates. If you're going to practice hospitality, which God commands you to do, uh, to be godly and married, you got to spend money in places you did not spend money prior to your marriage. And if you're a single guy, and if you're like me, how I was, I did not understand that at first, and I resisted it, didn't like that. I thought we're wasting money. We could use this money for the kingdom. Yeah, you could. Multiple plates mean multiple mouths, means multiple people to come over to your house for ministry. Also, feeding people good food and not just bad food. Like, is honoring to them. Have you ever been over to someone's house? They like, you know, gave, you know, you got good food. You're like, man, you like me that much? Like, it's a, it's a blessing and to serve people with hospitality. My wife is very hospitable. I like to think I was, but didn't have any of the skills to do it. I had the idea we should host people, but no food, bring your own stuff, uh, plastic silverware. That's what we're doing. I have repented. I have changed because marriage is different than singleness. But I do have anxieties that I didn't have. I have to worry about stuff that I used to not in marriage and in my home. I, I now have four kids. I can tell you, you know, adding a child, you know, adds a level of stress. It does. Uh, and, and so things are different. And so being married and being single, it, 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 he's not saying one is more godly than the other. He's saying, look at your time, look at the season, what is the circumstance, and also understand that your, the ability to do um, what you, uh, the ministry you have will look different depending on the season. That's what he's saying, married or not married. So what he is not saying is when he says the, the role of a husband or a wife is merely worldly, when he says they have worldly anxieties, he's, just, he's trying to get us to see that they have different, they have to think differently, like I just described. I gotta think about things differently. I gotta steward my money differently. Because see, oftentimes this passage can be confusing where you're like, okay, well, if you're married, then you're worldly. You're, you, you only think about worldly things. Only single people can, can be, be freed from worldly things. And so what you end up having is what you see in the Roman Catholic Church, vows of poverty and vows of celibacy from dudes and women who are not, don't have the gift. And y'all all know what happens when you don't have the gift and you, you claim it on the outside, you have, you know, a closet full of skeletons. Not ideal. That's not what he's asking. What, he, what, I, what we need to do, uh, when, when you see an unclear passage, we're like, so is he saying world, uh, being married is worldly? What you got to do is take the clear passages in the Scripture and, and use that as the interpretive lens to, to interpreting the unclear passage. That's how you interpret it. So in Ephesians 5, I'm not going to turn there, uh, but Ephesians 5, Paul, the same author here, talks about marriage. It tells the man, you ought to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Clear passage. So the work and effort, the anxieties of the man in the context of marriage are not worldly in the sense of sinful and foolish. It's just different. 
a man stewarding his time, talent, and treasure to love his wife as Christ loved the church sacrificially looks different than a single man using his time, talent, and treasure to, to worship the Lord. Both are worshiping the Lord. They're just stewarded differently. Additionally, Paul tells, uh, he gives instruction to the wife in Ephesians 5 to love her husband or to, to submit to her husband as the, as the bride of Christ, the church, submits to, to Jesus. And so he's not talking about it in a way that Jesus is domineering or abusive. That's a, that's a whole nother sermon. But, but the, the wife has a role that is caring for her husband, relating with her husband. What Paul calls here in 1 Corinthians, uh, these, these worldly anxieties, he's not here saying that it's somehow ungodly for a wife to you know, submit to her husband like that, that, how the church is supposed to submit to Jesus, right? So I want to be clear that he's not saying that being married is worldly. It's not what he's saying. He's saying just your, your interests are divided. Your interests are divided. And so both marriage, what we need to see is both marriage and singleness are gifts that complement. They're gifts that complement. They're, they're two sides of the same coin. It's the same coin, but they're just, they're, they're complementing. They don't compete. And so far too often, there's like singles and marrieds and like we're competing. I want to be married and... You know, you don't want to get married. Like we, it's like a competition. Oh, just wait till you get married. It'll be so hard. Like, why are we doing this? Like, it's, it's steward your singleness, steward your marriage. Period. That's what you're doing. And so both are seasons from the Lord. Both are seasons from the Lord that the Lord uses. If you're single, God wants to cultivate you, make you more like Jesus. So he's going to use your singleness, your job, your relationships, your lack of spouse, your desire for a spouse, or your desire for chastity, or your gift of chastity. He's going to use and steward that to make you more like Jesus. That's what God is, the Holy Spirit is going to do. If you're married, guess what? He wants you to be more like Jesus too. So God's going to use your marriage, your kids, whoever is in your life, uh, to, to make you more like Jesus. The end goal is the same. Be more like Jesus. And so certain types of, of ministries, however, are best suited for singles than married. It's just true. Like there was a time in my life where I, I lived, I was 20 years old, I turned 21 while I was living in Kenya, Africa. Uh, so some of that stuff about the poverty, I saw it firsthand. It's real, real there. But while I was there, I was, I was 20 years old. I was there with another 20-year-old. We put that number together, we're 40, so we're pretty mature. And so uh, we were we there in... Uh, we have no oversight. We were supposed to. It's a long story, but we were supposed to have oversight there. And uh, the missionary groups got their wires crossed. And I really do think they added our ages together because we got there. The Kenyans were like, y'all tell us what to do. And we're like, uh, you tell us what to do. So uh, six months in Kenya alone with two 20-year-old dudes. Uh, I can tell you that singleness had its advantages. It, it did. It did. And like the, it, it really did. We were at a point in time where we had death threats. Uh, and there was a death march, and there was a raid on a compound, and then there was a, a, a time where I got, you know, because I was so, you know, hygienically, uh, you know, single. Uh, I had boils because I didn't shower often. Like, I was, because there wasn't access to water. I was like, they're not showering. I'm not showering. Like, we're just, I need to be around the people. Got sick, boils, all this stuff. My roommate got malaria. Like, it was just one of those things. Uh, additionally, there was a time where we got robbed, and I said, and I I was a fool. I'm not, this is not, you should do this. This is, we were getting robbed. I told him no. It sounds brave. 
assault weapon and a dude telling you no. And I thought, you know, I said, I'm an American. You can't take my money. And like, it worked. But I didn't live. It shouldn't have. I, I grieve the reality of, of one day my kids doing so, like going off. I'm like, no, you can't. Like, foolish. Also, I would never go back and do the same type of things if I was married. And kids, now that I'm married and kids, I thought, hey, if we go back, here's where we'll go, we'll go to the resort and on this part. We'll do, well, this one's safe. We'll go here. I'm not walking through the slums just going, let's see what happens today. Let's just door to door. If that guy, if, the, if you see a drunk guy, talk to him first. Like, it, that's not what I would do with my, my young daughters walking through the slums of Kenya. It's just different. Do some people need to do that? Walk through with boldness and take some risk? Absolutely. If you're single, that's you. It's you. It really is. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, I'm not saying it is you forever, you, but there is, there, you have some mobility and some ability to do some things, to take some risks perhaps in your, your season of singleness that you will not have later. So if you're just single and you're like, I can't wait till I get married and I'm only focused on getting married, all I'm thinking about is getting married, you might be squandering seasons of fruitful, productive ministry that Jesus has for you. So you gotta think like a steward. Uh, how can you steward your singleness? When you're not married, you have more time. You really do. It's the biggest complaint, right? A guy gets married, a girl gets married, and all her friends are going, well, you don't ever hang out with us. If you're the first one in your friend group to get married, like you get married and all of a sudden, and you start having kids first, you're like, I don't understand why you can't come to all of our events. I don't know why you're, always, you're not showing up. Then they start having kids and they're like, they, like five years later, and they're like, I understand you now. I hated you for five years. I appreciate you. How did you do it? Like, it's just the, the, the world we live in. When you get married, things change. You have more time when you're single. You, if you are currently, have, you have a job right now, you probably will have more money uh, uh, than you do when you have kids, or your money will be, you have more free money to, to use and steward in different ways. Uh, you, you just have different opportunities. I'm not saying it's better. I'm saying it's different. You should steward your singleness. And if you're single, I don't want you to feel bad for wanting to be married. Don't feel bad for wanting to be married. I don't know how many people I've, I've met, and they're like, well, if I want to be married and I'm single, then somehow I'm not trusting God and content. Everyone must want to get married to get married. You should, that's where you've got to start. Like, you can't go, I, I want to get married, but, you know, I've got to repent of that. Guess what will happen? Singleness the rest of your life. You can't repent of wanting to get married if you want to get married. You've got to embrace that. Don't feel bad for wanting to get married. Because if you get married and you don't want to get married and someone steals you and makes you, that's, that's illegal. That's not okay. Don't do that. And so our culture, however, I want to speak to this, when it comes to these unique seasons of singleness that, that will go and come and that you must steward, our culture, however, values singleness because they value freedom. Oh, kids, they, they suck the life out of you. Oh, kids means I can't go on that vacation. Oh, you know, getting married means I got... Uh, you know, I got to buy sheets on my bed now. Like, you know, uh, I can't just hang out with the guys or, oh, like we, you, you look at, you look at marriage and family and kids as a burden and not a blessing. Our world then, because we are, uh, you know, the type of people who God created in his image, who he said, as we already talked about, it is not good for you to be alone. You're not good to be alone, but yet you think, uh, you know, singleness gives you all the freedom. It's not good to be alone. So what do you do? You have friends with benefits, you have roommates, you just sleep around, you live with one another until you can move on to the next person. It's just what happens. And it ruins lives, it destroys lives. It's actually not freedom. 
It's slavery. You're enslaved to your desires. You're enslaved to this false idea of freedom. And so singleness, Paul loves singleness. He, he, he's, but he's not selfish. If you're, single, if you're using your singleness for selfish reasons or using your marriage for selfish reasons specifically, not to the glory of God, today is the day of repentance. See, Paul cherishes singleness, but why? Because he stewarded it for the glory of Christ. He would, he would later be brutally hung and executed and murdered for being a Christian. He went gladly, willfully. Jesus himself, single, crucified in our place for our sins. Both Paul and Jesus used their singleness as, as ministry opportunities to love and serve others in ways that they could not have done if they were married. Additionally, married folks have different ministry opportunities as well. I'm not going to get into all of the, the ideas into what marriage, what opportunities do you have if you're single, what opportunities do you have if you're married. The big idea here is, are you going to steward the season you're in? Are you going to steward it? Do you understand that with being married means you're no longer single, which means you have different priorities, biblical priorities that are good and right? If you're, if you're not married and you're single, you're not JV, you're not, you're not on the B team, you're not missing out, steward your singleness to the glory of God, which means that also if you are in a relationship with someone, there's big implications. How, do you, how are you hanging out? How are you uh, going to date nights? How are you, are you praying together in the room with the do- lights off and the, the doors closed? Like, rep- that's, not, that's not godly. And so there's different types of ministries and opportunities that are best suited for uh, both single and married people. And so my point is that, do you see those opportunities? Do you see those differences? Don't despise them. Don't despise your singleness. Don't despise your marriage. Don't despise couples who are getting married. Don't despise couples who are single. Repent of selfishness. Lastly, you must be led by conviction. You must be led by conviction. So you've asked the two questions, right? You've asked, is, is, is it good? Can I, can I uh, be self-controlled? And what day and season am I in? And now we look at the reality that marriage and, and, and singleness have different opportunities. Now, based off of that, you got to have a conviction. What's your conviction? And he says it this way. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly towards his betrothed, if his passions are strong, it has to be, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes, let them be married. This is no sin. Hey, you got a relationship, you got a, you're, you're, you're in a relationship with someone, and you know what? You just, I know it, times are difficult. I know the season is difficult. I know I don't have a job yet, I, I, or I'm, I'm working on a job. It's, you know, it's not my career job, but, you know, it's a nine, it is a nine-to-five job, or it is a job that's paying something. It's just not the most ideal thing to get married right now, but, you know, I really love her. She really loves me, and you know what? Uh, the next, in order to be more intimate, more close, we, we can't stay single anymore. I can't get to know her anymore until we get married, if you know what I mean. That's where, if that's where you're at, he says, let him do as he wishes. Let them be married. This is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no, necessi- no, uh, under no necessity, but have his desire under control and has determined in his heart to keep uh, her as his betrothed, this isn't friend zone or like stay engaged for forever. Keep her a virgin is like not sleep together. Uh, he would do well, meaning not sleeping with her, not getting married, going your separate ways, staying single. So she has an opportunity to, to marry someone or y'all both can say single. He says, verse 38, so then he who marries his betrothed does well 
So it's a good thing if you're engaged or you have a relationship, you want to get married, you do well. But he who refrains from marriage will do even better. And what he means by even better is, again, due to their current circumstances. I don't know how many times I've heard someone take this verse and go, just read this verse. See, he says that refrain from marriage is better than singleness. In the context of you might get lit up as a torch on fire and your wife raped. Yes, that's, it's better. We don't necessarily live in that day. But either way, you must have a conviction, a biblical conviction. Notice he says two things. He says, let him, who, uh, let him do as he wishes. He wants to get married. Let him do as he wishes. That means he's got to know what he wants. It means a guy's got to know what he wants. He has a plan. Do you want to get married? Yes or no? I don't know. Then the answer is no. There's no maybe. Do you want to get married? You're like, I don't know. Well, then the next question is, uh, can you stay chaste your whole life? No. All right, you want to get married. You do. That's the next step. Well, now what do I do? Well, do you have a job? Yes. Do you have, uh, uh, have you left your mom and dad's house? Yes. Do you, could you marry and, and serve, love and serve a wife? Yes. Green light. Find her. Ask her her name and like move forward. That's, that's the marching orders here. If you want to get married, do as he wishes. It is no sin. Now, again, he says in verse 37, but whoever firmly established in his heart, again, this is a language of conviction. This person's established in their heart. I'm not under a compulsion. I don't need to uh, relieve my sexual you know, tension at all. I'm, I'm not looking at porn. I'm, not, I'm chaste. I, I want to stay single. And uh, I think it's necessary that I stay single for the ministry God has me to do. I have self-control. So I'm determining in my heart. I'm going to be firmly established. I have a conviction. And then don't date women. Don't go on a date with a guy, ladies, if that's you. You're like, well, I might want, no. See, you live in a world that you want to have it all. I want to be single when it's, you know, go to the singles ministry, do the single stuff and be single. But then I want to date, but I want to talk about how I might have the gift of singleness. But you're, but you don't. Like we, we delay adolescence, we delay responsibility, and we delay getting biblical convictions. Have a conviction. Do you have a conviction? Do you have a biblical conviction on marriage? Do you have a biblical conviction based off of, uh, uh, for sex? Do you have a biblical conviction on how you're going to relate with one another? If you think that chastity is the way, stop dating. You're, uh, ladies, you're really destroying a guy. And guys, you are going to ruin a young woman if that's her gift, by your pressure and your foolishness. Foolishness. And then if you want to get married, okay, let's do it. Let's make a plan. Figure it out. We'll come alongside you. Sex is good, and it is to be enjoyed in the context of marriage. But sometimes Christians play with fire, flirt around with fire, and it ruins their lives. It ruins their future marriages. That's what needs to stop. Paul's point here through the Saul is that he wants us to be holy. He wants us to be godly. He wants us to steward our singleness for godliness, steward our marriage for godliness. Do you have a conviction? Are you going to pursue godliness? That's the refrain. That's the, that's the point he is making. Marriage, yes, is way more than sex. And there's way more things to consider. And it is good to, therefore, be in a good premarital process, be under good counseling, good advisement, and have people who will walk with you through that in godliness. But the point is godliness. And so some will say, hey, hey, I'm under control. 
I'm not hanging out with the opposite sex inappropriately. I'm not floating around. Awesome, good. That's, that's really good. If you need to hear that and be, at, be affirmed in the scripture, good. Keep it going. If that changes, or if your desire for marriage changes, then pursue it. It will be good. And so all of us, no matter the season we find ourselves in, must be content. If you're in a season of singleness, you must be content where you are. And seek to steward your singleness, looking for opportunities. If, you're not, if you don't, maybe you're married and uh, you don't have kids yet, can you steward that opportunity? Not, not despising children, not despising having kids, but steward that in a way that can love, serve, and bless others. Oftentimes, like, I know when I was in college and single, some, some older folks in the church were really good mentors and a blessing to me and, and now my wife uh, as we were dating. We got to learn from other folks. We got to be invested in. There was a ministry that came from a married couple to a single couple. It's a blessing. And so ask the Lord, I'm not in, if I'm not enslaved, I have self-control, God, what do you want from me? Do you want me to be married? Do you, and so then ask yourself, what is your conviction of, on marriage? Do you have a biblical conviction? Do you have a biblical conviction of sex? Pray, wait. Trust the Lord and do ministry in a particular way that brings glory to God in the season you find yourself in. That's what he's after. And so what often keeps us from stewarding our singleness and stewarding our marriage is that we are living with lies and in twisted realities and distorted views of our our current circumstance where we're at. Uh, Oftentimes, before you're married, uh, the enemy will want you to think, like, uh, man, you're, you're worthless. And then when you get married, you're like, man, I have no time. I'm not a good minister of the Lord. I can't serve people. I'm not. Both are lies. Both are lies. Or maybe you're married and, and because of your past sin, you're just riddled with, with guilt and shame. Or maybe you are, you're single and you have a bunch of guilt and shame because of your sin. You're like, I don't know if I want to get married and bring that into my marriage. Like, I, this is going to, this is, I've already ruined my life. It's, the reality is, is that most of us in here, you, you probably are dealing with some sort of baggage and bondage and, and, and pain and regret and guilt in your life. What do you do with those things? Some of you feel like you're missing out. It's a lie. Some of you feel like you've royally failed. Some of you, you, just, you, some of you just feel stuck and unworthy. You don't know how to proceed forward. Marriage is hard. You're in marriage, and you're like, I, this is really hard. I see what Paul says. I should have not gotten married. If you're, not, if you're married, you should never think, I should have not gotten married. Steward that. If you're single, steward that till God gives you the next opportunity for marriage, if, he, if that's what he has for you. But we should never, oftentimes we never rejoice and enjoy God's providential hand in our life because we're so marred with our sin. We see our sin, we don't see our Savior. We look at our problems, we don't look at our opportunities. We look at what we don't have and, and, and then we, instead of what we do have. So what I want to do in our, in our time of response, and especially due to the light and the, the day we live in where we live in a, a, a culturally confused world, sexually confused world, a whole generation with sexual scars and baggage, guilt, shame, struggles running deep. If that's you, what I want us to do, how we respond today, as, and as we, we, we bookend this particular sermon, I want, to think, I want you to think of three things. Uh, recognize what is true, run to Jesus, and repeat. That's going to be our response. So we recognize what is true. What is true? What is true about your current circumstance? Can you stay single? Nope. All right, that's true. Now we gotta, we gotta, we gotta live in light of that. We gotta start making steps. 
So we've got to run to Jesus. Jesus, what do I do? All right, stay chase. All right, I got to get in a community group. All right, I got to get some folks around me. I got to, someone to help me with my porn addiction. I, I don't know where to start. I need to ask for advice. Oh, we're, we're dating, we're married, or we're engaged. We're messing around. I, we need to not do that. How do I not do that? Is there someone in the church that can help us with that? Run to Jesus and his people. That's the next thing. Recognize what is true, then run to Jesus. If you're married and you're like, man, I, we're married and, we're, and it's, it's a struggle. Run to Jesus with your problems. If you're single and you don't know what to do with your singleness, run to Jesus. The point is recognize where you're at, what is true. Recognize what is true. The second thing is run to Jesus. Run to Jesus with your sin. You're like, man, I, I feel like I'm royally messed up. I don't know how to proceed forward. Run to Jesus. There's more mercy and grace in Jesus than sin in you. Jesus stewarded his singleness for the, for the purpose of dying in your place for your sins. Bleeding out on a cross, brutally executed and murdered, in order to, to, to stand the place for sinners, to take your guilt, to take your shame, to take your baggage, to take your suffering, to take your life, and, t- and take the punishment and penalty that you deserve so that he can give you the gift he earned. Eternal life, salvation, freedom, redemption, hope, glory is yours through faith in Jesus. So run to Jesus. Remember that there's more mercy and grace in Jesus than there's sin in you. And then lastly, repeat. Do it all over again. Recognize what is true. Run to Jesus. Repeat. This, is, this will be the refrain of our life. We've got to recognize where we're at, what is true, take responsibility. That means maybe confess sin, repent of sin, move out, own up, confession recognizing what is true, defining the reality. Second, running to Jesus for help, mercy, forgiveness, grace, hope, redemption, and repeat. So how is we're going to respond? We're going to help you do that through the partaking of communion. Pastor Alex is going to come up here in a moment. He's going to direct us in our time of response through communion. But that's the big idea. We're going to recognize our need for Jesus, our love for Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, our need for him to be our Savior. We're going to recognize what is true. We're going to run to him, to the Lord Jesus, and just keep repeating until he comes back. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our time. We ask that you would move in power as we respond, that we would see that we are men and women that you, have, uh, that, 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 that you love. May we steward our singleness. May we steward our marriages. May we steward our relationships all for the glory of God. Um, and so may we recognize today what is true. And so may we repent where we need to repent, rejoice where we need to rejoice, confess where we need to confess. May we, may we do business with you, Jesus, as we need. Additionally, Lord, may we run to you with, with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our worship, with all of our, our sorrow, all of our sickness, all of our sin, all of what we have when we run to you. May we keep repeating that, uh, that loop till you return. And so help us as we respond, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.